Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, yo, yo. It's the Daily Face-Off Show. It is Tuesday, February 1st. Mike McKenna coming at us live from Las Vegas, where he'll be in town to check out the Golden Knights against the Buffalo Sabres, as well as... The NHL All-Star Weekend. Tyler Uremchuk and Scott Burnside will be joining him out in the desert. Mike, how you doing? I'm great. I'm looking at the sun shining. I got a big slot machine in the background here. It's just going to be fun, man. This is kind of a nice celebration to get everybody together. And, you know, for us at Daily Faceoff, some of us that haven't seen each other in person, either in quite some time or ever, man, it's exciting. This is going to be a fun weekend. But we got hockey to talk about first before we get there. So let's get through it. Yeah, we got a couple more nights of NHL action before everyone takes a break for All-Star Weekend. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with where else or who else? The Florida Panthers. Mason Marchment, like where'd that come from? Six point game. I mean, you, you look at that uh, for the Panthers and the historic run that they've been on. They close out the month of January, Mike, outscoring their opponents by an 87 to 46 measure and that's a plus 41 goal differential just for the month of january that brings them to plus 58 for the season 192 goals scored by the cats this season that's 4.2 goals per game absolutely ridiculous they're on pace for 342 goals this season which would obliterate a salary cap era record of 319 so they're on track to do something that no team has done in the NHL salary cap era since 2005. What jumps out at you when you look at the at the Florida Panthers? A lot of things. And you know, you can take Mason Marshman's six point game last night and think, wow, that's a career night for him. But he's been a big part of that club and he's been a great pickup for the Florida Panthers. This is a guy who really never got much of a shot with Toronto. He was played for the Marlies for a few years. I remember playing against him in the Calder Cup finals and thinking, man, this guy can really play. But he's not getting the big time minutes. He wasn't playing first or second line in the American League. And he just needed a fresh start. He needed somewhere to be able to, to let his game take off. And he's found that in Florida. And to me, this is really just a credit to GM Bill Zito, who at this point, I think he's a clubhouse leader for GM of the year in the NHL. The work that he's done to bring in some of the players, whether it's from bringing in Reinhardt and Bennett and developing from within. They've had the perfect mixture of utilizing their own assets 
and those that they've brought in. Look at Lundell, you know, homegrown talent there who's who's going to be in the Calder Trophy um, at conversation by the end of the year for Rookie of the Year. Like that line, Reinhardt, Lundell, and Marchment, they have such good vision on the ice, pushing deep back. Lundell's driving. They were phenomenal last night. And Florida is just, they're running over teams, Frank. I mean, they, they scored eight, nine goals against Columbus in January alone. Like, if I'm a goalie, I'm terrified of that. They scored seven against Dallas, six on Edmonton. This is a team that when it comes in your building, you're just thinking, man, we have got to try to clamp them down or else we're going to get run out of the building. Like, you're going into that game as an opposing team hoping you win at 5-4 if you can get out of there. It's crazy what they're up to right now, man. It's amazing. Here's what's scary about Florida. They make it look so easy, Mike. That's like, yeah. they, they snap it around like nobody's business. Yeah. Like they're just running through teams and they can play any which way you want. You want to play physical. Yeah. You want to play fast. You want to play skilled. You know, their their penalty kill is dangerous. Everything about them is dangerous. So, um, I, yeah, you know, one of the other. Frank, I didn't even mention, I didn't even mention Huberto and Barkov and Bobrovsky yeah. having a resurgence season. There's a lot going on there to like. Yeah. And it's funny because I love social media. You see Mason, Mason Marchman have the night that he does. Six-point game kind of out of nowhere. And that fires up Leafs Nation saying, well, whatever happened <laughs> to Dennis Balgan? Uh, that one-for-one one trade. And so you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and their night last night. Tough start for Jack Campbell, a trend that's continued. Uh, Jack Campbell pulled after three goals. Peter Morazic enters uh, three goals in the first period, by the way. And you see the Leafs. They have another wild comeback. Not only do they win in regulation after being down a couple goals in the third period, they also, as Tyler would point out in our daily bet segment, win on the puck line, which is kind of amazing. Austin Matthews getting the hat trick, bringing his goal total to 28 this season. But I think the big question mark in Leafland, Mike, is what what's your level of concern on a 1 to 10 scale for Jack Campbell at this point? His last six games, 8.53 save percentage. But you look at the record, a 3-1-1 one, and one mark. They've somehow found a way to win in spite of some shoddy play by Campbell. I'm going to put it at a four out of 10 for Campbell. I, I think there's definitely pause for concern. A six game run of poor play is definitely concerning. You know, you can you can brush off one to two, maybe three games in a row where you don't feel great as a goaltender, but it's concerning. Like when I watch him, he's attacking pucks. He looks like he's not confident in simple things like movements and post integrations. It just doesn't look like he's at the top of his game like he was at the start of the year from a confidence level. And these lulls happen during the season. He's been worked really, really hard. And he played it at a phenomenal pace at the start of the year. And I think it's really hurt not having Muzzin in front of him. You know, having Hall out for a little bit wasn't great either. They are finding ways to win. Um, but the biggest concern for me is just, can Campbell get this back? And how much do they play Peter Mrazek? I think that's critical for, uh, for the Leafs. They need Mrazek to play some games here, take a bit of load off Campbell, let him go. Because they can't, like Frank, they can't get down 3-1 to one in these games and expect to come back against teams that aren't the New Jersey Devils. You can't do that against the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Florida Panthers. They're going to be run out of the building if they do that. So I, I think Campbell is definitely a key to this. Uh, but he's not everything for the Leafs. He's certainly an important part. So I think a lot of that has to do with getting Mrazek some more games, getting him on track as well. So why just four? Like, why is your level of concern only four? I think a lot of Leafs fans are looking at it and they go, well, Jack Campbell has played 31 games this season or whatever the number is. It's not quite that high. The most he's ever played in a season is 31. 
he doesn't have the track record of being a 55 to 60 game starter in the NHL. Is this part of the early signs of him cracking a little bit? Well, you know, when we did our rankings at the start of the year, I had the Leafs in the lower third in terms of my comfortability when it came down to Mrazic and Campbell. And I, I just, I believe in the guy. From what I had seen early in this season, Frank, if Campbell can get back to that level that he was at, I, I saw a guy who had the technical base completely improved on top of his reactionary skills that he has in the net. I thought he was a total package. I think it's more just going on upstairs. I think he's going to get it back on track. That's just my gut feeling on it. That's what I'm hoping to. I'm rooting for the guy, but you just you can never tell, man. Yeah, I think everyone's rooting for Jack Campbell, especially when you look at how popular he's been with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. Um, you know, it's it's been a fantastic story, but the save percentage has certainly plummeted in the last few weeks. It was a 945 just a short time ago, now down in the mm-hmm. 920s. So, Mike, that let's move a little bit further east in Canada and talk about the Montreal Canadiens. If I were to show you this clip, of Zach Cassian running over Sam Montenvaux on Saturday night and then see the lack of reaction from his Canadians teammates. What does that tell you about the state of the Habs and where they're at? That team is absolutely lost and doesn't care. That's what it tells me. They're down 5-1 in the game with five minutes left in the second period. And Cassian cleans them out, man. Like he just, (laughs) he knows he's going to make contact there. He acts like he didn't mean to. Well, if you take that route and the goalie, like Montembeau didn't move a bit. Cassian just plows, Cassian plows him. Jeff Petrie comes over and basically wants to have tea with him here. Like he doesn't do anything about it. And then it takes until later in the game for Michael Pizzetta, of all people, <clears throat> to be the person to come off the bench and come after Cassian about it. Like as a goalie, you just feel like, does anybody care about me out here? I'm trying my hardest for a team that's not playing hockey in front of me to the expectation that we had at the start of the year. I get run over. And nobody helps me out. Nobody does anything about it. Oh, that's embarrassing. And if you're sitting up in the stands as a Montreal Canadiens player, if you're out of the lineup, if you're a GM or management, it's just embarrassing. The culture just seems like it's off there right now. So you don't think that they were scared of Zach Cassian? Is that what you're saying? Well, if they're scared of him, get off the ice because he's not a killer in this league, man. Like I understand Cassian's really tough, but you got to have somebody in your lineup that can go out there and do something. And at some point, like pride takes over, man. Like, you don't have to be the toughest guy in the league to just show up. All right. Like there's a chivalry factor there that has always been in this game. And at least somebody go over and slash the guy or something, not come up and go, Hey, you shouldn't have done that. No, just don't do it again. Like then Cassian comes over and talks to Montembo on the bench and Montembo's talking to him with nobody around. Like get in there guys, like defend your teammate here. It's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, that seems awful friendly based on the way that that played out and based on the way that the Montreal Canadian season has gone. I mean, you look at their numbers, one, six and three in the last 10. They're just looking for some straw of hope, something to hang their hat on. Lots of changes potentially uh, afoot for new Canadians, President Jeff Gordon and DM Kent Hughes. Lots of different things to talk about. And we'll talk about Jeff Petrie a bit in Icebreakers. But if you're looking for how how they close out this season, there's still a lot of games left. You know, yeah. where where does that fire come from? Where does the energy come from in what's been a trying season? Yeah, it's got to come. You want to say it's got to come from within, but you almost hope that whatever moves they make at the deadline, somebody comes in that's got a little bit of jam. That maybe has got a little bit of a mentality that they got to prove the world wrong because they got traded off for another piece. There just needs to be more of it, uh, and that's. 
man, from I, just for being a goalie and watching a guy get run like that and nothing happened, it just it burns me up. That's like that's like looking at goalie pads that have been set up on the wrong leg. It just burns your eyes, man. It's hard to see. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's hard to unsee when you see a clip like that and and the lack of reaction. But speaking of goaltenders, we ran through our midseason awards, Mike, on Monday, mm-hmm. and we saved the Vezina talk for you. The heart was interesting. The comeback player of the year award that we did was uh, an interesting conversation as well. Where did you come out on your top three for Vezina? And was it pretty clear cut for you or did you have to wrestle over it? It's always hard because this year there's a lot of good goaltenders. And that I mean, it's getting to that point nowadays because the level of goaltending is better than it's ever been. And you get teams that can run out two goalies in a lot of cities. And you start to think, well, none of them are going to be in the conversation for the Vesna. So I started to really dive in on games played, how much they've carried the mail, what their advanced and underlying numbers are. And for me right now, I think UC Soros is the guy. Okay. The, the, the Predators have been nowhere the last two years in terms of... I shouldn't say nowhere. That's the wrong thing to say. They were a team that needed a goalie to carry them after Pecorini left. And Saros really laid the groundwork last year, you know, carrying that team. And then this year, they've had other players come in and start to get that going. But I still think he's the rock of the Nashville Predators. And he's played 30 through 37 games. He's gotten 23 wins, 9-2-7 save percentage. All the advanced and regular metrics are where they should be. Now, I think the best goaltender in the NHL this year has been Igor Shishjurkin. I just don't think at this stage of the game, he has enough games played. That's the only thing that holds me back from giving him the Vesna because he's. Is it the season or is it, games. is it the, is it, is it, is it his career? I mean, on this season alone, that's okay. what it is for Shishjurkin for me. You know, he's got 21 wins, which isn't far off Soros, but uh, I, I just think that Shishjurkin's going to have to play more games down the stretch to even that out. He has been the best goalie to me. And I thought Tristan Jari was phenomenal at the start of the year carrying the Penguins, but I can't see him grabbing the Vezina down the road because the Penguins are now back to pretty much full strength in terms of their lineup. And I would expect him to have less load on his shoulders. I think Soros and Shishjurkin are going to be battling out, battling this out to the end. It's interesting that we ended up with the same three guys just in a little Mm -hmm. bit of a different order. And I guess that speaks to the year that Tristan Jari's had with the Penguins. You know, so many question marks around his game after that, uh, you know, tough playoff run. And and a lot of people are saying, should this guy even be back in Pittsburgh? And he seems to have answered all those questions and more. And it's funny, we get through this. We haven't talked about Jacob Markstrom. He didn't land in our top three with the ridiculous run of shutouts that he had in the first uh, quarter of the season. And we don't have Andre Vasilevsky on the list either, who many consider to be the best goalie in the game, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty that could – we were only halfway through the season, you know. If either of, the guys, either, either of those goaltenders goes on a tear, they're going to be right in the conversation as well. Because right now, it really is a pretty close field, I think. Uh, I mean, who knows? Like Tampa Bay, you can never count out Vasilevsky, especially because he has that clout. When people vote, it's still the big – he's the best in the game. We got to give it to him. You see this all the time. Uh, and that's why I think like a guy like Tristan Jari won't get as much love as we have just given him just because he doesn't have that name factor. Mm. So quickly, I'm going to put you on the spot. How many games does Shesterkin need to play at that, you know, similar production level, uh, mm-hmm. same numbers for you to consider him? Is it 50? Is it 53, 56? What's the number that gets you over the hump? As long as Shesterkin gets to 53, 55 games, I think he's a shoe in if he's still playing at 930 save percentage or above because numbers always reduce as the year goes. Okay, he's not going to end up with a 950. He may end up at a 930. If he's leading the league and he's played 50, 55 games, he might be the guy. 
Numbers always go down as the year goes on. Just ask Jack Campbell. Um, all right, Just let's get me. to some news. Uh, <laughs> let's get to some news and nuggets from around the league with another edition of Icebreakers. All right, Frank, your time here. We've got a couple of GM candidacies that are, you know, searches are still going on out there. Anaheim and Chicago, they've been in flux for a long time. Are either of those situations getting closer to the finish line? Yeah, things are really heating up, Mike, with the Anaheim Ducks and their GM search. And I believe that the man to beat, the guy that's the favorite at this point, is Pat Verbeek, the assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. He's been Steve Eiserman's right-hand man. For the last number of years, dating back to his time with the Tampa Bay Lightning as well, helping put in place uh, that roster that went on to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Pat Verbeek having his second interview with the Anaheim Ducks and their search committee on Sunday. There's one other mystery finalist that's in the mix that uh, interviewed on Monday evening. And... You know, all signs point to this moving pretty rapidly. The Anaheim Ducks could have a decision made and negotiated out a contract with the winner in the next number of days. So I would think certainly before the end of the week, uh, provided that things continue on as planned, Pat Verbeek certainly uh, has been impressive. And then you look at the Chicago Blackhawks. They have begun interviews this week and the team announcing yesterday that three Former Hawks players are going to be part of the search committee to help uh, discuss and deliberate candidates, much in the same way that Paul Correa and Scott Niedermeyer have been involved in Anaheim. You're going to have, uh, in this case, Eddie Olchick, as well as Marion Hosa and Patrick Sharp that are part of the Blackhawks search committee. So Anaheim very close, I think probably sometime late next week on the back half of the All-Star break uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Like the group think that's going on here, bringing in old players and legendary players in some organizations, that's that's definitely helpful. People that have the pulse of the organization. Now, in September, or I'm sorry, in November, Doug Wilson took a medical leave of absence from the Sharks and haven't heard much more on it. Is there any update on that situation? Well, not much of an update in terms of Doug Wilson and his health. I think people were hoping and certainly around the Sharks organization that this would be just a temporary leave of absence that uh, Doug Wilson could gather up some strength and be back in the chair in short order. We're now more than two months since that uh, announcement was made back on November 26th. And at this point, Joe Will, their assistant general manager, is still overseeing day-to-day operations of the team. He's in communication uh, with Doug Wilson on the regular. I think we're all hoping and and wishing Doug Wilson the best. He's been all class in his NHL career as both a player and general manager. Uh, not back yet. And I think there are some question marks in terms of how the Sharks will proceed as it gets closer to the March 21st deadline. But at this point, no change. Joe Will continues to run the Sharks. And, uh, and like I said, we hope for the best for Doug Wilson. Definitely. Tossed a bit of shade over at Jeff Petrie earlier in the show. And this is a guy who really came on the scene. I noticed him playing against when I was with the Ottawa Senators 2019. He's blowing one-timers past my collarbones. I thought, wow, this guy is way better than I ever realized. Well, now he looks like he may be on the trading block in Montreal. So what could the market potentially be out there for Jeff Petrie? 
Yeah, I've seen lots of different commentary over the last number of days, people trying to size this up. And I think the market for Jeff Petrie is actually a little bit better than people might realize. They look at the term remaining three years at $6.25 million. And just talking to some in the scouting community that have watched Jeff Petrie closely this season, obviously it's been a disaster in terms of production. But there's certainly some personal off-ice issues going on that uh, their new GM, Kent Hughes, alluded to. His family, uh, Petrie's family, had moved back to the U.S. because of the coronavirus restrictions. And, Mike, I guess you'd be able to speak to it better than me, but um, you know that certainly can impact a player. This is a guy that had 170 points over the last four seasons. And so just in talking to some of those scouts, he said, Jeff Petrie didn't wake up this season and all of a sudden forget how to play hockey. So I think there's some hope that Jeff Petrie can rebound. They're thinking that probably a fair market value in terms of what that contract might look like as a right shot moving forward, given the productivity in years past, is somewhere closer to three years times $5 million. So there may need to be some money that the Montreal Canadiens eat uh, or another contract that goes back their way uh, that might alleviate some of that. But I just want to read you a quick message uh, from a director of pro scouting about Jeff Petrie this season, still effective at driving play, can still skate, competes well, relatively durable offense can be dependent on teammates. They haven't scored much this season, but all signs point to the same guy, not scoring in the traditional sense, but still very much positively contributing to his team. Um, so yeah, it's going to be something that uh, we'll have to wait and see, but the Canadians are working closely with Petrie's camp as well to try and facilitate a move. He's going to be one of those guys that I think you know a team that can afford the cap hit is willing to take a chance and say, hey, this guy, uh, you know, perhaps with a change of scenery, can get back to the level that he was at. Mm-hmm. And maybe a U.S.-based team. A happy player is a better player. I know that firsthand. You got to be happy in life before you can really succeed on the ice. Talk about some people that are looking forward to things. All eyes are going to be on Owen Power, Maddie Beniers at the Olympics, but there are a handful of other young players that are going to get some major exposure out of this. So who else uh, amongst the young players headed to the Olympics have generated NHL interest? Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting for three undrafted free agents. And one that certainly rises to the top of the list will be Strauss Mann, the expected starter for Team USA. Uh, he has been lights out in Skelleftia this season, 23 years old, 920 save percentage. Um, you know, teams are always looking for goalies, Mike. He had a couple really, really good years at the University of Michigan as well. So Strauss Mann is one undrafted free agent. Ben Myers, the captain 23 at uh, the University of Minnesota. He's been a point per game player this year for the Gophers. And Mark McLaughlin is the other one, uh, the captain at Boston College. He's 22, so a year younger than both Mann and Myers. He's got 18 goals in 25 games for the Eagles this season. Three undrafted free agents that will have some prime time viewing from scouts and those around the hockey community in terms of winning uh, an NHL job. And I think Mann in particular, I don't think it's going to be very long before we see him, even though his path has been a little bit untraditional uh, in terms of being on NHL radar in short order. Frank, good job as always, man. It's been another edition of Icebreakers presented by and delivered by DoorDash. You're on it today, man. Good work. All 
All right, Mike, it's time for our Daily Faceoff show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We just talked about Jeff Petrie and previously the Montreal Canadiens. So this one comes in from Parm, and he says, if Lekkanen keeps putting up the points, one goal and two assists so far against the Blue Jackets, what return would he get on the market? And, and Mike, I'm going to surprise you a little bit. I believe Arturi Lekin, and if the Habs decide to part ways, is in the first round pick category. And people are like, what? Well, a lot of teams view him as the sort of this year's version, potentially, of a Blake Coleman or a Barkley Goodrow, Mm -hmm. a guy that could fetch that first round pick that does just about everything right for your team. The one thing missing in Lekkonen's career has been the consistent point production, but his game is complete uh, for the most part. Uh, he has developed the trust of coaches. He brings energy. Uh, he's well-respected in the locker room, and I think he's someone that uh, could surprise teams in terms of uh, the, the number, amount of interest out there and also uh, the potential return and package. So uh, another guy in a very similar category that I, I think the Chicago Blackhawks would prefer to keep, but I guess it depends on who will be their GM. Brandon Hagel is another guy in a very similar category. Mm-hmm. Teams interested that could be a prime playoff contributor and Lekkinen of course a big part of the Habs run to the Stanley Cup final last year so first round pick are you surprised yeah I am a little bit but I think when you look at the past history of talking about you know Goudreau and Coleman and you remember what Julian Brisebois paid to get those players there has been something of a precedent set and I true do, truly do believe that it is the depth players like a Lekkinen, like the like a Hagel out there that win you Stanley Cups very rarely does the big shiny ticket at the deadline when you're the Stanley Cup. We've seen that over and over, but teams always fall victim to it. So I wouldn't be that surprised, but it's still when I hear Lekkonen for a first rounder, I think, man, really? But I had the exact same thoughts when Tampa Bay did it a couple of years ago and it paid off pretty well for them. Yeah, and a pending restricted free agent helps as well, a guy that you'd have under control. So I think that contributes. Let's get to our daily face-off, daily bets segment. Tyler, how'd you do last night? Oh, thank God the Leafs came back or else it would have been another 0 for 3 night for me. I mean, the Florida Panthers scored eight goals and Alex Barkov didn't get an assist. Like, come on. I'm just ice cold right now. Uh, But I got two plays tonight, so let's fire them up, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. Starting with something a little bit differently off the bat, as you can see, Colorado, they are massive favorites against the Arizona Coyotes. Minus 200 on the puck line. An insane minus 581 on the money line. For those who aren't too familiar with how that works, you would have to wager $581 on the Colorado money line just to make back $100 in profit. It's crazy. It's tough to find value in this game, but I did maybe find a little bit in the first period. Colorado to win the first period, as you can see, either on the three-way in the first period or on the point spread in the first period, paying out about minus 125, and I love this spot. Colorado's won the first period in three of their last five and six of their last nine, and Arizona's going with Scott Wedgwood, not Carol Vamelka, and Wedgwood's given up 21 goals in his last five games, so it's hard to find value here, but I think taking Colorado to win the first period at minus 125 is a decent enough spot, and for my player prop today, I'm going back to part two between the Leafs and Devils. 
Austin Matthews. He had a hat trick last night, but he also picked up an assist. And this is a guy who has hit this over half an assist mark in four of his last five. And he actually has six apples in his last five games. It's paying minus 110. I think the Leafs offense can keep going tonight against the Devils. And I like Matthews to pick up an assist at minus 110. And there we go, Frank. There's my two plays for today. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see it. It's funny, you talk to people around the abs and they say, we actually haven't really been playing that great, but we've found different ways to win. I don't know. They've been ridiculous, 15-0-1, hard to bet against them. I wonder if there's a little bit of a let up, uh, uh, you know, take your foot off the gas a little bit against going like a team uh, like Arizona. We'll see. Uh, interesting. That's the first time you've done a first period play. So I love that you're trying something new. Maybe helps you get off the schneid. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's bring in Mike again for Garbage Time, my favorite segment of the show. Mike, what's caught your attention? What's captured your eye from around the NHL? Cooper Denny of Columbus, Ohio, come on down. Make your way to the Sports Center Top 10 by doing the Michigan right down Broadway. Spinorama, chucking it past the goalie. This young man called a shot. He'd been practicing for weeks on end, had a previous tweet saying, hey, it wasn't from Cooper, from his parents. My son's been practicing this. He's going to do it on the ice in Columbus in between the periods. Well, they called the shot. He did it last night. I love the creative skill level. I love that players are willing to do these things at a young age. Now, this used to be so taboo in hockey. You'd be called a hot shot. Your coaches would flip out on you. And you know what, man? This is fun. This is what the game's supposed to be. And everybody in that building, Frank, was cheering harder for this young guy than they were the big team on the ice. So it gave everybody in that building something to cheer for on a really, really dismal night where the cats ran the jackets out of town. So great job, Cooper. I love it. Keep it up. And it's pretty cool that we start seeing hockey on the Sports Center top 10 again, even if it's just a young guy going around the world right down Broadway. Pretty cool, man. The only thing better than the goal and the move was the Selly. I was like, boom, sick Selly. Oh, the Cooper, big yeah. pump, you know. Yeah, he, he loved it. It's like he had been there before and done it. I thought you were going to say <laughs> poor goalie, like uh, the poor little guy. He he's getting roasted on on Sports Center top ten. It's like for a kid that called a shot, you should have known what was coming. Should have practiced well, anyway. I'm yeah, kidding. he should have gotten to the top of the crease and read it better off the plate. No, dude, it, it's. <laughs> Congrats, congrats I'm not a goalie. <laughs> Finally, as you said, something to cheer about for the Columbus Blue Jackets fans this season, making it on SportsCenter top 10 in the number 10 spot. Way to go, Cooper. That's all the time that we have for today's show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. We'll be back right here tomorrow, 12 noon, another edition before the All-Star break when Mike takes over from Sin City with Tyler. Mike, enjoy your time in Vegas. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.